Got my driver's license last week Just like we always talked about Cause you were so excited for me To finally drive up to your house But Welcome ladies and gentlemen You are listening to I Don't Get It The pop culture get off my lawn cast Wherein two mid-40s curmudgeons Bravely and boldly stare down their impending entertainment irrelevance by examining something hot, something new, and trying to make sense of it one way or another. I am your co-host. I am Noah Tarno. I am the founder, senior quiz master of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular. I'm talking to you not live from San Francisco, California. And joining me, as always, all the way on the other side of the world in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. My, hello, sir. My first name and last name in this order are bill and scurry i am the proprietor and founder of a, a professional legal entity called american caesar enterprises which this week noah i might add we are your sole vendor for officially sanctioned tony randall memorabilia you legally have no other option but other than to deal with yeah. me for i have all the power in this matter i was listening to a podcast this week or maybe in the past two weeks where they were comparing i don't remember who or what comparing two guys to the odd couple like, hey, these guys are like the odd couple, but they mixed them up. They said, you know, he's the Felix because he's all messy, and he's the Oscar because oh, he's the neat one. So boring. And I want to, like, send them a letter. Yeah. Like, no, you got it wrong. Yeah, but literally, uh, there's, it's 101. That's fucking odd couple 101. You don't fuck that up. odd couple 101. Yeah. yeah that's, that's Odd terrible. couple was like a whole franchise. You know, you know, first of all, it was the play first by yes. Neil Simon. Yes. And then... Was there a movie, or they just did the TV show with? No, the movie. The movie was Matthew and Lemon. It was an incredible movie. It was an adaptation. Right. Of the, yeah. So did Matthew and Lemon do it on Broadway? No, or something? no, no. That was two other actors. I can't remember who did it on Broadway. But it was not Matthew okay. and Lemon. Yeah. And then TV, of course, was was um, Tony Randall and Jack Klugman. Ah. Oh, you know what? I think Ooh. Art Carney did it on Broadway because Art Carney Art was an, Carney. a Neil Simon veteran. He might have been in the uh, stage version, but I can't remember which of the two. Well, I mean, he looks more like an okay. Oscar, though, you know? Right. So, so TV was Tony. I can't remember. Quincy. What the hell was yeah. his name? Jack Klugman. Jack Klugman. Thanks. I said Jack Klugman. Yeah. I didn't hear you because I was oh, ranting. That is and true. then you know that Simon wrote a gender swapped version. Uh, no, I did not. Broadway or off Broadway. I know Sally Struthers played the. I believe the Oscar part. Mm -hmm. And then briefly, there was an animated Saturday morning cartoon about a dog and a cat who were the odd couple. I see. So, and you know, that this they, was a whole franchise. I think about 10 years ago, they rebooted it on CBS because they still own the rights. And Thomas they Lennon did. Did. from the, uh, the state and uh, Reno 911. Oh yeah. yeah. Play, he played the, he, yes, yeah, sure. he played the Felix. I forget who the Oscar was. I in can that. see that. Yeah. I can't remember okay. who the other actor was, but yeah, this it's a, it's a, um, Let's put it this way. Uh, the TV show, a lot of people will swear by it. I do think it's one of those things lost in the TV morass. You really can't go back to it. But the movie is evergreen. The movie does hold up. You certainly want to watch that because there are incredible I've never, I've never seen the movie. It's really good. I just, I mean, I don't want to say the concept is dated because I feel like it's so basic you could always update it. But like, I feel like it was just hilarious. Two men without a woman? How could they possibly do that? And putting aside that Felix, even if, you know, his character was a straight man, was coded as the gay man, right? Like, 
his character wasn't gay, but they're wink, wink, nudge, nudge, imagine that he is gay kind of thing. I think that they were Ra- both divorced, right? I think Randall, well, they, they were both divorced. I think Randall played right. that more. That's the thing. You're thinking of the, the Randall version played it up more. First of all, Randall was actually gay in real life. And then later he did that sitcom Love, Sydney, where yeah. they never flat out said it, but he was, he was written to be gay. Yeah. Yeah, there's there was clues and hints that he was gay. in in the uh, um, in the movie in the Neil Simon no Neil Simon wrote it he didn't direct the movie version um, but but you know Lam- Matthau was playing very much the sports writer he totally he was the Mets beat writer uh, you know a lot of the movie he's in the dugout at uh, Shea Stadium and uh, Lemon was the was merely coded as fastidious and he completely played it off in its own in sui generis creation he was um, a stickler for rules he wasn't played as 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 um, sort of um, I don't know. There was no gay panic. You know, there, nothing was coded. Whether it was there or not, Lemon did it in, in such a way that it was just a, a wholly developed character. And, it, you know, it was, it was all the successful for it. So every uh, week on this show, we look at something hot and something new, and we try to make sense of this. And this week's topic, when we first approached it, uh, I mentioned it to someone like, oh, you missed the train on that. That was a few months ago. But not so, sir. The topic is one of the hottest singers on the charts right now. Uh, Ms. Olive Rogers, a.k.a. <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo. A- no, Olivia Rodrigo is her real name. A- a- a.k.a. Her, her real name. <laughs> yes, her real name is Olivia Rodrigo. She is a young woman, very young woman, only turned 18 just a couple months ago. She was born in February 2003. She's from the suburbs of Los Angeles. And she started really as an actress, uh, in 2016, she debuted on the Disney Channel TV series Bizarre Vark, in which she and a another young actress, uh, both teenagers at the time, played um, YouTube stars. And apparently in the show, it's about how they gain viral fame. And it was three seasons. And the last season, they move into the equivalent of the YouTube house we always talk about. Oh, boy. Um, it's one of those Disney Channel sh- Disney Channel shows that only kids watch, adults have never heard of. Has the fakest laugh track in the world, uh, but you know I watched a few clips of it, and they were more charming than real YouTubers, so I'll give them that. Uh, and then in 2019, she moved on to a Disney Plus show that has one of the best titles of a TV show ever: High School Musical, the Musical, the Series, which is a mockumentary about high school students putting on a production of the stage adaptation of High School Musical. Um, so she performed in that and that sort of was a springboard to what apparently was her real interest was being a musician. So she wrote uh, a few songs for that show and recorded them and performed them on the show and they appeared on the soundtrack and whatnot. So last year, Disney, I don't know, someone moved, someone, can't be her herself, really moved her into the status of, of pop star away from actor. So she signed with Interscope Records, which of course is a arm of Geffen slash A&M. And her debut single came out in January. So that's when I first heard about her. And that single was called Driver's License, a song of heartbreak. It broke every Spotify record. It debuted at number one in multiple countries. It inspired a very bad SNL skit um, that featured that dude from... uh, I can't remember his name, uh, Bridgerton. And what's yeah, his name? Reggie Jean Page. Reggie Jean Page, which is ironic, not ironic, coincidental, 
because Paige was the name of Olivia Rodrigo's character in Bizarre Dark. Ah, okay. Wow. Uh, and this, the song was fueled by speculation. It's a heartbreak song. I got my driver's license. I drove by your house. You're there with a blonde girl. I'm very sad. I'm heartbroken. Uh, very standard production for the era. And a lot of the interest was fueled by speculation of who and what it was about. And there's a supposed love triangle among uh, Olivia Rodrigo, this guy who starred with her on the High School Musical show, Joshua Bassett, Joshua Basket, Joshua Biscuit. <laughs> What's his name? Joshua, Joshua Bassett. Joshua okay. Bassett. Sure. And the third corner is Sabrina Carpenter, who appeared on some other Disney Channel show and now is a pop star herself. So, And then Sabrina Carpenter released a, you know, a response song. So tongues are wagging. And I, I watched some online video about it. And it said, I love this. You know, I love mixed metaphors always. The love triangle between her, Joshua Bassett, and Sabrina Carpenter is still stewing. So the triangle what? is stewing. Yeah. I, you know, I failed, I failed a lot of math classes. I don't think I got anything close to that wrong in trigonometry. <laughs> uh, so then she released her follow-up single, Deja Vu. That debuted at number eight on the charts. I mean, I'm not surprised by this stat. I'm surprised this never happened before. Making her the first artist to debut their first two releases in the top 10 of the Hot 100. Uh, and then, of course, uh, she, the reason it's more timely is next week, she will be the, a week from today, she will be the musical guest on the season closer of Saturday Night Live. And about a week later, she will release her debut album, which will include all these songs. It is called Sour, uh, the album. Oh, she's also released a third song called All I Want. So I listened to this music. I watched some clips. I developed some opinions. But, Bill, what do you think of the music, the success of Olive Rogers IV? Uh, I, you know, I, it's interesting. You mentioned before that she signed with Interscope, which is an arm of A&M. Trivia question. Do you know what A&M stands for? Uh, I mean, it probably goes way back to the 50s or something. So is it, well, no, it's not Atlantic Records. It's different. Um, artist and management something, maybe? I don't know. You would think that. No, it actually only goes back to the 70s. It stands for Alpert and Moss. It's Herb Alpert wow. and Jerry Moss. Wow. That was that was the label. I've heard that before. I've heard that. And those before. are the, That's amazing. Yeah, those yeah. are the guys the police signed. So like that was their big yes, label. Yes, I remember that. Um, in fact, yeah. uh, what it, it, this is this is completely unnecessary for anyone to know. Um, Jerry Moss was a big uh, thoroughbred horse owner in California. He had a I think it was a Kentucky Derby or a Preakness Stakes winner named Giacomo. And Giacomo was named after Sting's child, Jack, because that was the nickname they called Jack in the house. Really? Giacomo, yeah. I didn't know that. I know. That was him in the... I'll ask my sister if she knows. You know, my sister's the world's biggest police slash Sting fan. I'll ask yeah. her if she knows that. Yeah, um, that's, that's uh, yeah. yeah, whatever. Nobody needs to know that. I'm just, I'm just giving this gems out for free to the world. <laughs> no, Bill, nobody needs to know anything we talk about on the show. Oh, uh, you'd be surprised, you know. No, when I'm hanging out with friends and someone, I, I, invariably, even here in the Netherlands, I get this. They'll say, oh, you know, I was going to do that, but why do you do that? Oh, you know, I don't get it. And I always look at them with a cocked eyebrow and I said, you should do a podcast about that. And they look at me <laughs> knowingly, even though they don't listen, they understand that I'm making an inside joke, but hey. Yes. All right, so, so every every time I talk about this, 
uh, my sister and my nephew's like, you should do this your, this for your podcast. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah, we did that a month ago. Or my sister's <laughs> like, what is this? Have you heard about this? Well, if you listen to my podcast, you'll know that two weeks ago we talked about it. If you gave the cursory blink at what I do, you would know this. All right. So, exactly. So exactly. Let, let's, let's get down to it. Uh, Olivia Rodrigo, <laughs> she um, – She's a very talented young woman. Uh, there, there. I think that. Well, I'm I, not sure. Very. <laughs> you know, I'm. I'm. Well, more talented than some others for sure. This is the hard part. Okay, but people. that's a low bar, man. That is a low, low bar. Uh, well, at the same time, to to you know, you give somebody, you give these old men like us, uh, you know, this this giant whirring thresher. A uh, an eighteen year old talent of some sort, and you know, like we have to separate her wheat from the chaff of of everybody else, and it's really difficult to do that now, especially because we are not the same age. Man, I looked at the comments on her YouTube videos, where her number, her playthroughs are insane, like two hundred million playthroughs on uh, driver's license. I mean, that it's as phenomenal as phenomenal gets, and just scrolling through the comments on YouTube, it is just you know impassioned testimonial from one child to the next child so on and so forth i mean it's it is beautiful it is a really like it is devotional and it's amazing because obviously there are kids who were looking up at an 18 year old and saying this is the sound of our generation this is what's good this is the noise inside my head all the time she's making this happen and i mean i remember liking things when i was 18 years old but i didn't have the words to say this encapsulates everything i could ever come up with you know and and it says it better this this says exactly what's going on in my head um what was there's one comment that yeah this is the greatest comment i read on on uh on, on driver's license it says this is not a song it's a story there's not these are not lyrics they're true words and I, that doesn't mean anything and but, but I, also, like, like nobody's ever done that before. Like, that hasn't been pop music since. Well, man, I mean, I, since, there are probably examples in the '50s, but certainly since the '60s. How about since, uh, uh, you know, Beethoven and, and and you know Vivaldi? People have well, done but, this since forever. That's not the point. But the, no, those people weren't writing lyrics that were telling stories that were from the heart. Well, I that's yes, not what classical no, music's about. Uh, the answer is right. the simple answer is yes. You're absolutely right. Is that this this was done 16 minutes ago. Um, Olivia Rodrigo goes down a lot better if you don't if you just got a serious head wound and you just woke up with the wrapping <laughs> over your forehead and only that's, remember that's that's mean. How about if you're a kid? Let's be kind. And that, but Let's that, not say you're brain damage. Let's say no, you're young. I, I okay? don't mean brain damage. What I mean is that someone hit you over the head with a skillet, depriving you. They gave you the temporary movie amnesia where you wake up and all you remember is fuzzy memories and whatever anybody tells you from that moment on. Not brain damage. It's amnesia. Or you have some sort of blockage where the past doesn't matter. Uh, then well, Olivia Rodrigo. That, is, that also describes childhood, my friend. And that's who, Let's that's be charitable who, that's who her, her basis is. Everyone who's following her. That's the thing. I wanted to separate this a little bit from the feverish overdrive of how hot her engine was spinning. I mean, you want to talk about how many RPMs? This this thing, she what is it? In England, they said she had the, the single highest single-day yeah, streaming on, on, in British don't. history beyond. And for some reason, she beat some guy named Ed Sheeran. I don't know shit about him. I know he exists on the planet Earth. You know, <laughs> he's, he's pretty he, damn big. Yeah, he's a ginger. He's pretty damn big. But it, yeah, but it's like this is all... You know, it is both of a magnitude that we can't comprehend, but yeah. it also helps if you are taking the goggles with which you look at these people and reversing them back to people who haven't lived life and are looking up at her as the first person who ever lived through a broken heart, as the first person who ever over-dramatized yeah. 
uh, a crush and a romance and whatever it is to be 17 or 16. And on top of that, you know, you have to, this is also a homeschooled Disney kid who has not been around regular people for probably five years. So she's not a (laughs) typical middle-class teenager. She's someone who's factory farmed like one of those pods in the matrix to be a Disney channel person. And, you know, like her, her voice you know, that's interesting because I, I thought like Alanis Morissette when she came out and made Jagged Little Pill was writing from the perspective of being a fucking child actor writing about Dave Coulier when she was like 17. I forget how young mm-hmm. she was. And it's like she was letting this rocket rip out of her soul and fire into the atmosphere yeah. as if no one had ever touched these feelings before. And, you know, obviously we know, well, of course, that's of course that's happened since anyone did romantic work with a capital R, whether it was Byron Keats or anybody, but it's like nobody has any memory of those things. All they knew is that the way Alanis Morissette phrased this, it was as if it had been said for the first time. We clearly know that was, that was untrue, but it's like Olivia Rodrigo is doing something. I I don't know if her album sales are going to match Jagged Little Pill because you had a monoculture then, and this is a silo culture, but I mean, obviously she's super popular, but, you know, like, regardless of all that, you know, I, I played Driver's License and and friend of the show, Nick Nadell, had, had done the same thing. He had recommended months ago. He says, you guys got to get on this. And that was in January when, you know, when the song, when that song was hot. Yes, it's coming back again. And this is, it's a topic. Uh, but he was like, he said, this is the thing you want to listen to. And I'm like, I, I don't need to listen to this, honestly, just even for my own health and sake. <laughs> and having listened to the song, it's like, you know what? Her voice is pretty. She will obviously get better the more she sings. I, I think we have no idea what her voice sounds like. That's true. No, it's true. But, I mean, yeah. every, everybody's imitating. Even Ariana Grande, when she came out, was imitating. Clearly uh, possessive of a powerful instrument. But, but you know, you will shape it into what you want it to sound like when you figure out what, what in fact, you sound like. Um, you know, you could say the same thing, Noah, about, about um, Amy Winehouse. Amy Winehouse was sort of doing an impression of a lot of black singers before her. If Amy Winehouse yeah, had a, a second act, she, you would have heard what her voice sounded like when she phrased it more originally. But not to say she didn't have talent on Back to Black. She absolutely did. And and I think a little bit... I, I think that's... Yeah, I think that's... Not, if you're going to criticize Amy Winehouse, you're going to criticize Elvis Presley. Yes, it was the whitening of that black thing, but it was the... It was the advancing and synthesizing. I'm, I'm getting off topic here. No, but it, I mean, um, there's a little bit of it. But it's like Olivia Rodrigo has this very, very mellifluous, pretty voice. And uh, she has been, like, I think you, you hinted at this, where she was sort of affixed to this massive protosorial engine where um, yeah. her, I think, was it Dan Nigro? I wrote this down, was her producer. And I mean, the and co-writer, the, co- and co-writer. co-writer and producer. Yeah. And he, I think, fixes it. Now, she's the songwriter, but it's like she obviously doesn't have Pro Tools. You know, she obviously can't arrange. She may know music, but she doesn't know this kind of music. I mean, all these things, you add them up and you wind up getting a world beater. Look, Driver's License is a very well done song. It's catchy as fuck. It's, yeah, it has it's this, definitely a well-written song and well-produced. Yeah, it has this massive but, crescendo. But well has a specific meaning there. But go ahead. Yeah, right, right. So, I mean, I, there's no way in hell that, that this is something that hits me now. But, I mean, I, I couldn't hate it. Like, I, I didn't like Takashi when I was listening to Takashi or MGK. Yeah. You know, like, that that kind of thing was just, like, I, my, I was closing my eyes and wincing as I was listening to their stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, ha- you needed a shower after listening to their stuff. Have, have, this, is, yeah, having, this does not feel as virulent. You know, yeah. we're, we're kind of talking about the lightning bolt of what happened since January. We're talking about the lightning bolt of how big she is and the lightning bolt of the machine she's riding. 
um, you know, nobody could predict what's going to happen. But I mean, I, and, you know, you mentioned the clips, uh, you know, I didn't listen to the Disney Channel stuff. I just honestly, she's only got about four songs out. It's a narrow thing because she's dropping an LP, if we can still call it that. In a couple of days. LP. Right? LP. Dropping an eight track. An eight you track. can get 10 of them for a penny if you rip this thing out from the middle of Rolling Stone. Sorry. But I mean, I, I, I'm sure that there's going to be a level of constant, consistent professionalism. Uh, they're going to be produced by a song factory that, that you know, uh, rivals the Brill Building. You know it. I get it. Yep. Uh, Rivals like, the Brill Building. Yeah, but it's like yeah. the, she, her song. Dwarfs the Brill Building. Right. I was going to say her songs. They're not going to be made four quadrant the way a, a, a shitty movie like the, you know, the way some like Fast and Furious 15 is still going to be a movie about crashing cars and guns. But it's still they're going to make the pretense of making it four quadrant so that they'll get the maximum amount of right. money. Her right. her song, her album is going to be absolutely as, as made as dedicated for the 14 year old girls in the audience who just look up at her it's a like big she, market. That is a big and it has, market. It has especially been. if you're it talking pop been. music. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, first of all, I think your comparison to Alanis Morissette is not valid. Um, I'm biased because I was a lot younger when Alanis came out, but I was older than Olivia Rodrigo. I was 20. I was 21, and I was really into music. And I, don't know, I think she, I mean, not my favorite thing in the world, but I think she was unoriginal. And you could sort of see it by how many Alanis clones followed in her wake. Yeah, sure. She invented a genre. All right, yeah. so uh, I wouldn't say she invented it, but she, she defined it maybe. Um, all right, so I agree with you that Driver's License is a very well-crafted song. The writing, the production, the performance, the video, the lyrics, and the marketing are, you know, someone with a big brain made this stuff happen. And, you know, deja vu and all I want. You probably could say the same thing, but they didn't have the impact because they weren't, you know, the first flexing, as it were. Uh... I also agree that this is harmless. Um, my first impression is it's very cliche. We've heard all of this before. Yeah, what, what, did you text, voice, again, what, what did you text me? What was the exact phrase you texted me a few days ago? Well, I'll get to that. I said okay. this is children's music, okay, which yeah. I stand by. Yes, I yes. tweeted that as well. This is this is music for children. I'm going to be nicer than you and not say it's music for people who've been smacked over the head with a frying pan. I'm going to say it's music for young people. And I'll even be as charitable to say it's music for nice thoughtful smart young people okay or amnesiac um, adults either way yes we agree fine okay people with big giant lumps growing on their head and birds <laughs> flying around you know she's got this voice that we've all heard a million times from every young singer the precious kind of whispery voice like your 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 lip is kind of numb um you know billy eilish is the most obvious comparison i think but and I remember I talked about this when we we did an episode on Billie Eilish. The voice I hear, which is a slightly deep cut, is Leslie Feist. Do you remember Leslie Feist? I know who you're talking about. I don't really know her that well though. Right. So she's this Canadian singer. She fronted a band that was called Feist. They had a couple sort of hits 10, 15 years ago. I mean, they were big enough that like she sang one of them on Sesame Street. You know, she had that song one, two, three, four, and it was great for Sesame Street. And they made fun of it on The Office. You know, she was a sensation for a while, and I really liked her. I thought she was great. I have that album. It's a very good album. And that voice at the time sounded very particular and real to me. And I feel like every singer is doing it now. I don't think they're aping Leslie Feist because Leslie Feist is the hot thing. That's just what I'm reminded of. Um, I also think when they when they belt, when they really try to get the emotion out, they're trying to be like Adele. 
and Adele is another level of talent than all these women. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of it is ta uh, uh, Olivia Rodrigo's come right out and say her biggest influences are Taylor Swift and Lord. Yeah. And I hear that. A lot of people say she's yeah. just doing Lord, but, but I, mean, I don't but know I think, Lord those well things enough are, those to things say are that. Obvious. I only remember very, Royals. very indicated, yeah. yes. Yeah. And then the music is the same thing ever, you know, the, the, the kick drums and it boop, 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 with the claps, uh, the tinkling guitars and keyboards. Uh, and then I think the lyrics are very smart. You know, this tells a story. It's from the heart. Yeah, you bet. I mean, just calling it driver's license, it gives it this specific thing to, to home in on, you know, making it so it's very easy for a young kid to, to grab onto these details and feel them, you know, uh, What's like, you didn't mean what you wrote in that song about me. You said forever. Now I now I drive alone past your street. You know, it's the mainstreaming and big businessing of the bedroom pop idea. The girl, you know, singing out her diary on her little Casio in her bedroom. And then the over-dramatization. My life is over. You're 16, 17. Your life isn't over. You're experiencing your first heartbreak. It happened to all of us. Your life is not fucking over. You know, if this happens 50 more times by the time you're my age, maybe your life's over, but that's another issue. Uh, and then, you know, uh, on Deja Vu, it was very much the Lana Del Rey style, like these little poetic little details. You know, we had strawberry ice cream together in Malibu. Like, all right, fine. But like, you know, I, I get it. I get what she's doing. Uh, Deja Vu, she makes a specific reference to Billy Joel, which seems very crafty to me because it's a kid asking their parents, who's Billy Joel? You know, like it makes, <laughs> I, I think it's funny. It's Billy Joel makes her seem deep to a 16 year old. You know, I, I, I wrote that in my like notes, a, by the way. You a chooch from Long Island. Do you know what song, you know what song in particular of Billy Joel? Uptown Joel's? Girl. What, what the fuck, yeah. man? What the which fuck? Which could not sound less like Deja Vu. Uh, and then I thought all I want was better. You know, I had some cellos and violins, and they sounded pretty good. Whoever was playing that and whoever arranged that d did a good job with that. She sounded a little more honest to me in all I want. Um, you know, all right. I just, I look at her face and I don't buy it. I don't buy the, you know, pop music to really shine. It's got to, it's got to be real. I got to buy it. You know, even if you just sing la, 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 I got to know you mean it. And from her... I just don't know if she has that depth. I mean, I'm sure she, fine, she really was heartbroken. She really wrote it from an honest place, but I just don't think she's got the talent to express it. But that's fine, because I am 45 years old. And as I said, this is music for children. Just like Bizardvark was a TV show for children. This is their first heartbreak music. This is their first... You know, you mentioned Byron and Keats. This is their first, for lack of a better term, exposure to poetry that speaks from the soul. You gotta have the training wheels before you get on the bicycle. Um, so it's fine. It's it's not bad. It's not a it's not Takeshi or in some ways, you know, Machine Gun Kelly levels of offensiveness. It's just, you know, anodyne, and it's fine for kids. And again, I give credit smart kids, deep kids, because it's expressing something real and something honest and something about feelings and something about exploring your feelings, and it's okay to feel shitty and all that. Um, you know, and there's some... It's not completely uncharming. So this is fine for children. It is children's music. She is the Rafi of heartbreak bedroom pop. I know she knows.
Noah, I would like to continue our uh, discussion by asking you, why exactly is uh, Olivia Rodrigo popular at the moment? So you sent me a link to a Reddit. Still, I've been reading Reddit a lot lately. What Reddit thread? Reddit topic? Reddit subreddit? Subreddit? A subreddit. Thank you. Thank you. Well, but but the subreddit was like music, but the specific thread within the subreddit is it called a thread uh yeah might as well that's what we're dealing with that's okay, we fine, understand right. that who language. cares who cares does it matter does now? It matter now okay so a specific <laughs> thread in a subreddit on the internet uh said is how did they phrase it which i thought was so damn stupid industry is plant. olivia rodrigo a, a an industry plant um yes four question marks and it struck me as they're like of course she is. She's she's. What do they mean? Industry plant. Like she is. She is part of a major label. I, I mean, maybe they were saying like, is she a fake person? But you know, like we said, her name is not Olive Rogers. It's Olivia Rodrigo. And you compared her a bit to Lana Del Rey. But Lana Del Rey, our criticism, apart from the fact that I hated her music, was like she just seemed a wholly fake character. Lizzie Grant recasted herself as the as the doomed chanteuse from the trailer park. Olivia Rodrigo doesn't seem to be playing those games with us. Like, I believe she was really heartbroken. I just don't think her heartbreak was as epic as it's being interpreted as and as it's made out to be. But yeah, she's an industry plant. She was foisted upon us. Now, in this subreddit, in this thread, they sort of implied without saying it, well, maybe those incredible numbers on Spotify and TikTok and all these things are fake. Maybe Interscope or whoever juiced the numbers. I don't know. It's possible. Because this person was expressing doubt that she broke as many records as she did as quickly. They were basically saying it's impossible. I don't know well enough to say whether it's impossible. It might just be right time, right place. She caught on and kids went for it, right? But the point is she is being shoved down our throats. Now that's been done since time immemorial with many industries, but particularly popular music. So that's part of the reason. She's big because the people who still have the power in 2021 in popular culture wanted her to be big, declared her to be big. But as I said before, I think this material is very well-crafted and very smartly made to appeal to the people who keep the engine of pop music running, teenagers. Yeah, I'll give Olivia Rodrigo some credit that she's in charge of her artistic destiny to some degree, but the people who really hold the power and have to be people more powerful than her on her career... You know, they 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 saw the right target. They dressed it up the right way. They marketed it the right way. They used her talents the right way. I mean, this is the machine doing what it does best and, and a bet paying off. So that's why. Yeah, I think you're right. It, it, I mean, it is a machine. And I'm, yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to uh, talk down the machine because the machine the, the machine is the outlier for the top of pop music, but there's a lot of room to navigate in the in, under it. I mean, it creates a gigantic canopy to cover a lot of things, and nothing can be as big as this. But I mean, the, the, you know, the, why is it popular? Yeah, you know, she had her ice broken with with the Disney series. She's gorgeous in a in a very California suburb. Was she from mm. Temecula? I, I think she's very plain looking. I no, mean, she's I think she looks like a kid. She looks like a child. She looks like a child, but, so she, I can't, but she's yeah. thin. She dresses in the Chuck Taylor. She wears the the boyfriend yes. jeans. I mean, she wears the crop top. And, and she has, by the way, and I will say this is a good thing. She has that vaguely can't really put your finger on it ethnically, you know, yeah. 
what is she kind of thing. And I think that people people like that these days. Yeah, she's you know, half, she's half, it's about fucking time that everyone looks the same. So, no, that's okay. true. She's half, she's half Pinoy. And, and not only that, there was an article where she was talking about how when she was younger, she felt because she wasn't willowy and blonde, which is ironically, you know, the look of her, her you know, her main idol, Taylor Swift, I think is, is the um, middle American waspy sort of apotheosis of right. everything that she and, made her And her rival, Sabrina Carpenter, who looks like a... right. Who looks literally like a Barbie doll? Yeah, yeah, yeah wasp goddess. Um, yeah, but I mean, she she is fully in the lane of Taylor Swift in terms of a, a DIY confessional songwriter who's giving you her all, you know, with no filter, you know. And it's like when Taylor Swift straps on that guitar, you know, she, she's wearing the um, the sort of like a, I don't know what you call that, kind of like a cocktail dress at the concert. And she's wearing heels and she still puts on electric guitar. She wears like a Fender Stratocaster and she can fucking play some notes. And she's singing songs that she wrote at the same time. And what what is she now? What is Taylor Swift? Is she 28, 29? Um, I forget uh, what years. That's interesting. I would think that she's cracked 30 by now, but maybe I'm Well, wrong. maybe she's... I've, do you know Britney Spears is almost 40? I do. We must have talked about that yeah. when we did no, the we did. Free we Britney did. Episode. We did, yeah. Uh, Taylor is 31. 31, okay. But I'm saying Taylor Swift came up the hard way. She, she always did it her... Well, I don't know how hard it was, but I'm saying is that she gave you her version of it, and her version of it has changed from album to album. And she, you know, her first few albums started with the idea that she was telling you, this is how bad you fucked me over, nameless man, you know, let the chatter classes figure out was this jake gyllenhaal was this who who am i writing about all those things uh along the way you know a lot of pictures on instagram which which um i don't think olivia drigo has the taylor swift could have like um uh, detective trail of who is she in Narragansett with this weekend? Who is she with Hawaii? You know, that was part of the uh, the play at home game with Taylor Swift was like, where's Taylor Swift and who is she with along the way? But, you know, uh, Olivia, Olivia, uh, Olivia Drigo is describing common American, you know, middle class teen scenarios as if they never happened before. And to, to a degree, Taylor Swift was doing that, but she was elevating it to almost like this Tempest level of, oh my God, nothing is more important than this. This is crazy. And it's like Taylor Swift has more albums to grow on that accelerating thing where she's telling different stories at 31 than she was when she was 20. And, you know, that's presumably Olivia Rodrigo will get to do the same thing too. But we're, ju- we're just judging her at one frozen moment of time before she drops her, her extended play on us. You know, um, they're really the bigger thing is that there's no trace of irony, there's no mirth to what she's saying. And it's like, well, if there's any trace of being young, it is having no irony. It is having no mirth. I mean, everything yeah, is everything is the most important thing. Yeah, in the world. Everything yes. it's a broken yeah. femur, and it's like you can't, you know, like a, a chip of bone could could, you know, break off and enter my heart and I could have a heart attack. You know, that's that is exactly the stakes of all of these things. And it's like it, it is hard to listen to. Anything at, at the age we're at without a trace of irony, without any kind of mirth, without any humor to it. Uh, but, I mean, look, this is what kids want to see. You know, their pop art, as it's been dictated to them to some degree by what has been made important and what has been elevated by this incredibly symphonic, uh, well-arranged pop art, is that it does it makes it sound like, you know, I went and got, I went to Mr. Softy and I got a, a dipped soft-serve cone. It could make, it, it's, it could sound like a fucking Love's Labor's Lost. I mean that is exactly the, the level of importance. Love's Labor's Lost is a comedy. Oh, Love's all right. Labor's Lost. Thank is you. A okay. Uh, thanks for correcting me, uh, uh, Isaac Asimov. I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, Isaac Asimov. He was a Shakespeare scholar. A lot of people don't know that, but he did a lot of anti- really. Yeah, he did a lot of anti- uh, I didn't know that. After okay. you know, he's writing I Robots, but he wrote a shitload of uh, scholarly, scholarly white papers on on Shakespeare. He was a real scholar. All I want is love that lasts. Is all I want too much to ask. 
So if you were in that, and I know you, man, when you were 16, you were breaking hearts and having your heart broken. Yeah. <laughs> if you were 16 now, oh, you were you were the man. You yeah. were the the playboy of Western Long Island. Yeah. With a... uh, if 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 you were a kid now, would would uh, would Olive Kenny Rogers speak to you at all? Kennedy Rogers. <laughs> no, I said Kenny. Oh, Kenny. Kenny Olive Rogers. Kenny Rogers. Okay. Yeah. Which is a very non sequitur joke. So uh, you know, let's I, just stick with Olive Rogers. Olive it, Rogers. Would Olive Rogers speak to you? Yeah. I have always been turned off, even when I was a teenager. For some reason, I don't know how I earned this or how I got this, but I was always it was an anathema to me that people um, that teenage perspective art was pinioned as something that it was insightful or or had something to say about the larger human condition even bothered me when I was a teenager. Uh, I mean, we had some incredible teenage art when we were younger and aspirational looking up at the John Hughes's of the world and, and, and you know, Molly Ringwald movies and things that, you know, all, for all intents and purposes were done fairly well for us, even though I, we, I was thinking, what were we, I was 10, 11 when some of those things came out. I wasn't quite the age that she was at at, Sweet, at 16 Candles or Fresh Horses or any of those things, but... Um, it doesn't work for me when you try to um, add this sturm and drang, this sort of tectonic friction to uh, teenage feelings. I mean, it, it ultimately falls apart. It dissolves because it's about something that is so transient and is, it is so first pass. I know we talk about first pass comedy, but I mean, it's like the first pass feeling. I don't think this is first pass at all. No, no, no. But I'm saying it's the first pass feeling where it's like, imagine having three relationships. Imagine, imagine having 12 relationships. And it's like how small this diminishes, this gigantic piece of tempestuous art that owned the beginning of 2021. The, 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 the inspiration of it is going to be reduced to nearly nothing. It's going to look like one of those little doozers from Fraggle Rock that built the, the little towers. You know, it's, it, it just turns into a tiny little thing. So, I mean, when I was in the 1990s, we were inundated with a whole variance of, of you know, teenage art that, uh, what was that? Was it Skid Row sang a song called 18 in Life? Was it, is that what it was? Six, yeah. yeah. It's a great song. I, you know, but it's like, I thought it was like, this is bullshit. What do you mean 18 in Life? Um, was it Sebastian? He was going to jail for life. That's what that song's about. Okay. The guy was going to prison for the rest of his life. All right, but I'm saying it's it wasn't like, about heartbreak. All right, but I'm saying it's like it was this idea yeah, that bad you, example, bad example. Right, whatever, man. I, I, sorry, I think going to prison for the rest of your life is a big deal. But, but writing a song about it from the perspective of him being like a 24 year old guy, with, you know, not going to prison, just sort of. Anyway. Look, my point. Well, but it was a so, it was a story song about a guy who murders someone at 18. Okay. My point, my it goes to prison for the rest of his life. Great. I'm just saying is that, you know, regardless of whatever that is, I really look down on teenage derived art. And I mean, I, you know, we had this conversation either on mic or off mic about the, the invention of the teenager and when when teenage songs and the sort of teenage spirit right. took over popular culture or at least 1950s. Entered 1950s. And Mitch Miller thought it was a bad move. He said they have no money. Yeah. You will never make money selling music to teenagers right and it turns out people love people love surfing people love ronda all that beach boy shit yeah and you know so on and so forth it, it elevated into whatever it is we have today um now I mean, the, the simple answer even though i've just bloviated for six minutes now is that i i wouldn't have gone for it back then just because you know i listened to things that were so much more complex not because they were complex but because 
you know, the comedy, if I fucking watched Mystery Science Theater, which would have been concurrent with this kind of thing being popular, it was deep. It had layers. It was really quizzing me on what I might have known. It was, it was also challenging me to get into other things. It wasn't describing this relationship as the last stop. You know, this, this guy she's yelling at in terms of DIY, uh, what is it, uh, Deja Vu. You know, like, oh, did you tell her all these same things? Did you listen to Billy Joel? Did you put on Vienna after you listened to Uptown Girl? And it's like, I have moved, I, I, I know a lot more stuff about culture than this song is giving me. And also I know that life goes on beyond this one simple thing. Go to the Denny's, have a fucking plate with your friends. And it's like, tomorrow you will wake up and... You know, you will go on as a person and the song will just become so small as to fit into a, um, you know, the eighth hole on a golf course. It'll just it'll just vanish away into nothing. Also, you know, let's just say there's no there's no legacy which informs new work here any older than five years from whatever perspective from where the author stands. And even when I was a teenager, I felt like, well, that existed then. That clearly existed then. The myopia of what kids like, you know, as Noah likes to say. You know, what 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 construes an old movie, something from 1988? And it's like, well, that clearly doesn't give you any room for to appreciate Howard Hawks or somebody like that. It's like, well, I was never that kid. So, no, the, the myopia would have just disqualified this. But how do you feel about it, though? Well, you, you, you said, too, you brought up the Beach Boys, which is interesting because I saw an interview with her online where she brought up the Beach Boys. And um, she said one of – it was like, what's one of your favorite songs? And she said um, – wouldn't it be nice by the Beach Boys? And, and by the way, when she was interviewed, she had nothing to say. She she really wasn't a very interesting person. But she called it a beautiful teenage love song, which is 100% right. Yeah, no, it's, Wouldn't it's, it's it a great, nice? it's a great it's just song. Yeah. Gorgeous. And it's about something very simple. It's about, you know, the I am so crazy about you. And my fantasy is, you know, not to fuck your brains out. I mean, that's under the surface, I imagine. But like to wake up next to you and spend the day with you. It's incredibly sweet. It's part of the Beach Boys magic was that they had this this sense of sincerity and it has the and that's why when i say commensurate production for its day that this song does for for this day today I yeah think. yeah it was a little, a little more creative than that but whatever whatever i'm biased um but you know that's why i say like her music at, at worst is anodyne because she is somewhat charming i want to see her do you know a happy song right i mean maybe that'll maybe i think that'll seem a little more sincere and yeah, you know, wouldn't it be nice? Oh, I'm in love with this girl. It's the best. You know, 10 years later, he forgot about her. But, you know, I, I think happiness is a little easier to be sincere about when you're a teenager or when you're an inch deep pop singer. So, you know, I think she's got that potential there, but I'm, I'm sort of off topic. Uh, no, I'd hate this if I were a teenager. I would absolutely fucking despise this. And partly as I was all as a teenager with music, I, my first impulse anytime something was really popular was spit in its face, metaphorically. Um, so I'd hate that. I'd hate that she's a cute girl talking about heartbreak because I'd be jealous. It would be sour grapes because you know I couldn't get a girlfriend at sixteen, seventeen. So I'd go, well, you know, you don't want me, you know, you, you you let this guy's worse than me and he broke your heart. So whose fault is that? You know, I'd have that attitude, right? God, thank God the internet wasn't around when I was a teenager. <laughs> yes, I'd be a, thank God, in fact. I'd yes. be a prime target for some of those really, I'd be like. We we would have been on the I Capitol mean, steps. I'm not joking. I'm really scared. Yes. I'd be an incel. Yeah. I mean, I'd never be a Trumpy because I couldn't get under being Jewish. And like, I'm too, you know, not waspy or, or white, you know, completely what a Nazi thinks is white to do that. But I 
there's a good chance I'd be a horrible, horrible fucking human being. So thank God it didn't exist. Um, no, anything, like, I didn't even like Nirvana when it came out. Anything popular, I immediately dismissed, right? So this, and plus it's a girl, and it's, oh, it's a cliche, you know, I wanted originality. I, I would have hated this, and I would have spat on it, and I would have proudly and loudly told people how much Olivia Rodrigo sucks, which is unfair, because again, I think she's harmless, and there's a place for music like this, you know? Not for, most teenage boys don't get it, but... Although it's funny, I mentioned it, talking about it with my nephews, they're 17, I said her kids in school into her, and Jack was like, um, I guess I've heard of her. I think of you and the wind. Every night I've been counting the days. Noah, what about the apocalypse? Is this a sign of it? As much as I think this music is anodyne and she might actually be talented or, or, or at least charming, I see some apocalyptic uh, nature in here. So this video I watched that talked about, you know, the stewing love triangle between those three. Um, the add one person, you get a love parallelogram. <laughs> a love rhombus. A little, a little geometry humor, yeah. And add a love rhombus. <laughs> it's going to be the name of my album, Love Rhombus. Uh, <laughs> that video filled me with some apocalyptic dread because it reminded me how, oh my God, everything is so overheated now, you know. She finally broke her silence about this. I still remember some headline. Someone tweeted about it and pointed this out. I don't remember what it was, but a few years ago. Like, so-and-so breaks their, finally breaks their silence. And it was a story that had broken a day earlier. And, like, the person finally makes a statement <laughs> a day later. It's like, broke their silence? Like, it's been a day. Like, let them, let them get out of the bathroom. So... You know, when you're a teenager, everything is, is is hyped up to 11 and everything is the end of the world and everything seems extreme. And, you know, I think that attitude, I mean, a lot more dangerous ways than this too, if you look at politics, but that attitude has suffused media and culture. And this, this little news thing gave an example of it, of... You know, not only kicked it, if she finally broke uh, the silence, uh, this was talking about Sabrina Carpenter's skin, her song, finally broke the silence about how driver's license almost destroyed her. Yeah. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but then you get to this, you get to, uh, so Sabrina's mad about this, you get to Olivia Rodrigo's fans sending Sabrina nasty messages and even death threats. And here's our problem. It's not just teenagers being upset and crying in their room. My life is over. It's people literally, literally acting upon these extreme emotions, giving them that power. And you do see adults acting in this immature manner. We as Americans have been infantilized, and it is a real problem. So. I hear what you're saying, and it is true. But I, I would also say that you're describing a mirror reflection of the arrest, the arrested development, I should say, that the the boomers have been engaged in since they were yeah kids. yep i yep. mean it's nothing new nothing anybody's invented but the idea that the boomers get to be perpetual teenagers but they never admit to it they never own up to it and they never are never called on it it's up for the rest of us to say hey you know you guys are still acting like you're 19 years old you think this is a whole world is a college dorm room this is a you know a place for you to wipe your ass on uh, I mean, so it's not, it's, you know, the yeah, whole literally, thing. if you're talking about the, the U S yeah, capital, but it's like the, the idea of, um, 
you know, breaks or silence. There's there's such a um, a deck. There's such like a um, uh, like an entertainment deck, like a a, a deck it's writer. Such, it's a cliche. It's lazy writing. It's lazy writing. It is. It's it is. And it's like, lazy. It is. Yeah. It is a borrowing of a cribbing of a mirroring of a co-opting. It is something that you heard many many years ago, and you continue to play out this way of describing things to sound like it. It has some sort of weight, and it clearly doesn't. Um, all right. Now, in spite of that, I'm actually. I'm not going to say it is a sign of the apocalypse because I think that this is, <clears throat> well, actually, one of the words you described at the top of this segment is anodyne. And I mean, that she is an anodyne pop. Like, I think we can agree. she, What she's saying is an anodyne message along the way. I mean, she's describing something very teenage, something very common. Uh, anybody could go through this provided they're not completely socially maladroit. I, and even so, maybe you want it, maybe you don't. Either way. She's working at a confessional diary format, um, which is that that too has existed for a long time. It's just that that artist is now ha- occupies a singular spot in popular culture. Taylor Swift is obviously much better at this than a lot of people are. And like you said, Adele, actually to go earlier, Adele may be one of the best of them all because Adele can both describe the feelings of a 19-year-old girl, but then lend this weight to it that sounds like a Herman Wouk novel yeah. you know and like her, she is one of the best singers I I think she might be a like top 25 singers in the history and of Adele, Adele I think Adele is spectacular Adele tricks you into believing that she's describing the causes of World War One, but she's really describing what it was like to get her heart broken <laughs> as a young kid yeah. and it's that's like, good pop music that's good you make it pop music. you make it you give it the feeling and you make it believable yeah yeah I mean and it, she's got the pipes so there you go right every single it. pop musician worth their fucking you know worth their salt has done this along the way and, and Adele is the you know I mean everyone can't be Adele but there's plenty of room under Adele to, to do this. I learn so many new things from TikTok and like I follow a bunch of therapists on TikTok and sometimes it's like really enlightening being on TikTok. Bill, is there anything about the uh, Olivia Rodrigo phenomenon that engenders jealousy in your soul? Uh, yeah, you know, I wish, uh, so this is like a, a cascading wafer cookie sandwich of an answer because... I, I wish I had something to say when I was 17 years old that I wish could have been produced into into you know what middle of the road great art I should say or middle of the road intended but really symphonic sounding big art and then I wish that that message would have caught on with everybody who wanted to hear it you know like there there's just so many different levels of like I'm lost in the middle of all this because it is it is just overwhelming it's like being caught in one of those uh you know Denver avalanches it's like holy shit I had no idea there was 10 tons of snow rushing down the hillside I'm stuck underneath a big pile of it it's really hard to pick out what of these things is the most alienating I mean it it sometimes we have a difficult time of listening or watching or, or you know critiquing whatever art we're, we're talking about on the show and separating the feeling from it and saying well is this person talented at the, at the you know at the very basis is are they talented and is there a whole gigantic you know thing on top of them that kind of like clouds the issue if we don't necessarily like what it is it's easier when we do like what it is it's easier to explain. And it's like, yeah, this is one of those things where it's like, well, her talent needs to be separated 
like a guy panning for gold in one of those um, troughs in you know in, in, in Northern California where he's like shaking out the, the one rock yeah. from the pebble looking for those little bits yeah. of gold and it's like well clearly well but there's a time factor like we say like give her time let's yeah. see what her next step is. yes yes let's it see is. what her second album it is. is but we don't have and if her second album is just a retread of sour yeah she's probably you know a flash in the pan if it's something new and interesting all right then you know. Yeah, this I mean, was an okay first step. Sure, right? I mean, but that's the thing. It's like we don't have time. We're just talking about this one jackass. Podcast. And we're gonna, we're never going to talk about her again. After we're never no, I know, but, but I I guarantee yeah. I will recapitulate every single beat of this jealousy segment because this is the same thing of like wishing I had the thing to say. You know, it all starts with is she the right person to to mount atop this gigantic missile? And you know, somebody said yes. Yeah, she, I, I clearly this missile, yes, sure. I, I clearly was never at any any single day in my life I did I ever have anything that is worthy of being <laughs> affixed to this ICBM warhead. Yeah, but I mean, never. she she yeah. had it. You know, she's got this gigantic you know engine, this rocket booster behind her, but she's the warhead, and it's like that's great. I mean, I I'm jealous that I was I could never have produced anything worthy of being that incendiary yeah. device. But I don't know. What, what about you? Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm, yeah, jealous that I'm never, of course I'm jealous. I always say it. Simply the fact that you're big enough for us to be talking about you means I'm jealous of you. And the fact that I find this music very unoriginal and pedestrian and anyone on earth feels the need to, like, make death threats on its behalf. I'm like, you know, come on, man. Like, I'm not asking you to threaten people with death for my work. I'm asking you to just, Although you, you know. you wouldn't mind if they did. Write it. Write a review on Yelp, please. <laughs> That's don't don't threaten anyone. Just like hit like on Twitter. Like, can you do that for me, please? Uh, Give me a thumbs up on Yelp. No, I don't want any. No, I don't want anyone to issue death threats on my behalf. I just want someone to feel that strongly about me that they would even consider that radical an action on my behalf. Um, but you know, I'm insecure, so I'm always going to feel that way. Uh, yeah, so I'm 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 jealous, but she's fine. Like I don't I don't hate her. Like you know, I got way more people for me to be upset. About. You know, I I yeah. You know, Speaking of more people to be upset about, yes. let's talk about the fallopian scale. Right? Okay, Jimmy Jimmy Scallop. Yes, I appreciate that. Jim, Jimmy, go right down the tubes to the fallopian scale. So <laughs> this is where we rank everything on the X Y Z three dimensional axis of all. I believe this is our hundred seventy eighth episode yes yeah all 178 topics in the history of i don't get it the pop culture get off my lawn cast where does in your mind olivia rodrigo rank well i have a uh, calculus much the same way as you do i was inspired by no in this case and so i came up with a very complex um i I should preface this by saying you know i got a degree in the humanities i'm clearly not suited for the for the you know it's not the stem that's not really for me humanities is where i'm at so i give it this I took I took Martin no I took Bruno Mars previous show topic okay. close right. friend of the Good show one. Good one. guest of the show Bruno close Mars friend. as you know uh, I added to that uh, six drops of Sean Mendez he this is a tincture of Bruno Mars interesting plus Sean okay and then okay. to Good. finish off the equation I subtracted Bruno Mars again yes so so you're just you're just you're just the tincture of uh sean mendez <laughs> well if you want to call it that i yeah. like sean mendez way better than her okay no, that's very yeah, interesting yeah, thank you. you hate bruno mars that, that's why i added him and removed him from the equation just to make it okay. uh, zero uh, base. Yes. just to just to give him a hard time yeah. Right? yeah 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 uh yeah i think it, bruno mars is i don't know i think bruno mars is more talented than she is but i find the music as derivative 
the comparison I'm making, going back to like a year ago or so, a little over a year ago, was um, to all the boys I've loved before. Remember that? Oh, yeah, sure. Lana Eagle. Yeah, right? Netflix was, no, Condor. Lana Condor, sorry. Lana Condor, right. And I think what I said about that is it's perfectly serviceable as a way in to better things for young people. Like, if this is the training wheels, I said that before, to actual good stuff, then it's good, right? If this is your first step, if this is, you know, the the, the Gerber strange food for the kid who's first starting to chew with teeth. Hey, that sounds pretty right? tasty. Yeah, sure. Right, exactly. This is this is the booster seat to get you up to eating real food. <laughs> okay. If this is the the music that gets you more interested in deeper music, or maybe even poetry, deeper poetry, deeper art, right? Then it's fun because it's you know, it's relatable, it's not offensive, you know, it doesn't, again, it's a catchy song, it's just very derivative and very cliche and all that, not nearly as deep as it thinks it is, but again, it's music for children, that's its purpose, to get you as your way in. So I sort of put it on a line with To All the Boys I Loved Before, or To All the Boys I Still Love, or whatever it was called, yeah, yeah. like kind of floating in space next to that. A few, you know, about six or seven degrees below Bruno Mars and um, exactly equidistant via a parabola from Squishies. Wow, that is, that is. Uh, uh, I just randomly, randomly pulled one out of my I, You know, I, I need to bring this to the Jet Propulsion Lab to figure out exactly where. Yeah, you got to, yeah. It's, you got to put it in the, 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 the Higgs boson and uh, see what comes out the other side. If, yeah. if I could talk to Rene Descartes, he would be able to add, plot this somehow on yes, the axis. He I might. appreciate that. He might. He's the only one who might be able to do the Higgs, it. So the, Higgs, take him the Higgs boson. Okay. You know what? I would think of it as the Hugs yeah. boson because I really, uh, I like human contact. All right. Yeah, why? Why does it? Why can't it hug us? Why does it have to be Higgs? Why, why can't it be hugs? Why can't the boson hugs? I just, I just want to hug. That's all. Yeah. Why is that so much to hug, ask for? Hu hugs, not drugs, folks. Hugs, not, hugs drugs. not drugs. Okay, everybody. Uh, Noah did say this is our ten thousandth episode. He's absolutely right. Without verifying that, uh, feels that way. If you, if you would like to look back on our archives and uh, see past episodes of this show, uh, look on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. Google Play and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us, Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com. Give us a review on any of those fine services because uh, more referrals uh, equals more listenerships. And then you won't feel so alone uh, listening to us as we do actually doing the show. So uh, on Twitter, you will find me at William Scurry. Uh, uh, on YouTube, I'm on YouTube, youtube.com slash amcaesar. That you will find my, uh, my video production uh uh, results there and then Noah also has things that he will alert you of uh, I'm all about the big quiz thing bigquizthing.com the finest in corporate and private trivia events virtual right now the finest the absolute again. finest the absolute finest thank you uh, in person again soon we have a meeting with our COVID consultant this week to work out how we're going to do in person events there will be waivers uh, but in the meantime my favorite Paul know, Thomas we, Anderson uh, movie by the way yeah, there will be waivers, yes. <laughs> I drink y'all temperature check. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, virtual events all over the place. Uh, learn more at bigquizzing.com. Hire us today. Sign up for our mailing list. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Thank you. So, everyone, until next week's chill and thrill-filled episode, we, we don't, don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2021.